0: Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg
1: and Steve Magnus. And welcome back or welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast.
0: Brad, how's everything going? Everything is going all right, Steve. Uh, Really looking forward to this week's topic. We are going to explore... LeBron James versus Michael Jordan in the wake of the recent NBA Finals victory for LeBron James and the Lakers, Um, but really more broadly use that as a structure to examine different routes to the top and different routes to success.
1: All right, sports um, and branching it out to other aspects of life. That's my favorite thing to do. So hopefully we're in for a treat. And before we get to that, we're going to do our nice little segment, the review of the week. What review do we get this week, Brad?
0: So this week's review of the week comes from Karen Mars. Thank you so much, Karen, for your kind words. Karen writes... Brad and Steve walk the line perfectly between high-level professionalism and the intimate personal takes as they explore real issues behind achievement and performance. From Steve's I Relate Everything to Running to Brad's Philosophical Musings, these guys complement each other well, and I truly enjoy listening to their thoughtful research deep dives into the challenges and joys of of top-of-their-game individuals. Wow, Karen! Thanks a lot. We do the best that we can, and um, we are we are quite the pair, uh, for better or for worse. So I'm glad that you see the good in it. <laughs> um,
1: I love. She like nailed us completely there. Yeah, I seriously, love, Steve. You know,
0: you know, you know how we prep ourselves for these podcasts. I'm reading um, Rumi and Rainer Maria Rilke books of poetry, and Steve is diving into training plans. <laughs>
1: Don't don't give away the secrets now.
0: Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Um, listeners, if you can take a moment to rate and review the podcast, I know we sound like a broken record, but it is important. It goes a long way to help the show reach others so we can keep putting our time and energy into it. So review it right now while you're listening. And with that, let's jump in. LeBron versus MJ.
1: All right. So I don't know where to start, so I'm gonna start with this. I normally hate absolutely hate these discussions. But I, I, I think I hate them because they occur on such a like superficial level and are almost always like talking heads um style. So me <laughs> what's this gonna be then? <laughs> Maybe, maybe this will be different. I think we're going to take a different approach here. Uh, maybe we won't and maybe we'll fail, but here, here's, here's my thought. I think this is a perfect, um, perfect demonstration of, of looking at success. Because when we say who's better, Michael Jordan versus LeBron, like, what does that even mean? Does it mean better? In terms of their entirety of their career, does it mean who is the better player in the one off, right? Who can, who lifts their team to a higher degree? It's like who was better during their peak or who was better during, you know, all 13 or 17 years of their career. So it's like you can take this conversation in so many directions. And, you know, one thing that I know we love doing is diving into the nuance and bringing the nuance, um, Two conversations that are neat that are normally either or so that's how how I kind of see the framing of it.
0: I agree I mean they're both great they're both arguably the best basketball players ever. I think some people might put magic after LeBron or like Kareem or Bill Russell, but certainly um two of the top five, and I think that m j is still holds the crown for now is is the undisputed best basketball player. So, Steve, you mentioned that it's very hard to define better. So let's dissect each of those elements, maybe starting with um, just the path to success before we even get to peaking. So two very different paths, right? Jordan was famously cut from his high school basketball team, went to North Carolina, was not a superstar immediately at North Carolina, emerged into a star, and then in the NBA, hit his stride, I want to say, after like his second or third year, and then really took off for a long period of time before burning out, if we're going to call it that, going to baseball, coming back, winning a little bit more, and then holding on for dear life as he retired, um, is really like a mediocre player with the Washington Wizards. So that's that's the Jordan path. Am I missing anything on the Jordan path?
1: One thing that I'd say there is I'd I'd call it burning out twice. Cause you had you had obviously we're gonna call it burnout. It's more complicated than that. But you had his journey to baseball, which was fueled by again his his dad's death and uh, among other things. And then you had his um But it wasn't
0: just his dad's death, because I think like again, yeah.
1: we're gonna call it burnout. I mean
0: he he was based on biographies based on the last dance documentary i mean he was tired of yeah.
1: basketball so so that you have that period number 1 and then you have the period after the 6 rings right 6 6 championship where he took some time off then came back for the wizards so it, it's almost like you had these two periods of burnout and then uh, with the wizards almost like an inability to cuz he was player part owner, if I remember it correctly. Um, you, you had this ab- inability to stay away at the end as well.
0: Yep. Okay. Good, good clarification. And then LeBron's path, completely different. LeBron, starting in seventh and eighth grade, is an AAU all-star, is being scouted for the NBA in high school, goes straight to the league. And is pretty dominant in his rookie season. Um, that's different. Like, he didn't emerge. He didn't blossom. He didn't have time as a college athlete. He didn't have to struggle in high school to make a team. He was a star through and through. His career is still ongoing. LeBron, one big difference is LeBron's played on multiple teams and has won championships on three teams, whereas Jordan was a bull until the very end, at least. Um, And I'd say that another difference is um, that LeBron is more of, and this is where we're going to get into basketball, but maybe you'll pull me out of basketball, Steve, but LeBron's more of an all-around player. Um, And that is just, you know, difference in size, different in position on the court. Um, Whereas MJ, I think, was a better scorer and a better defender. But see,
1: I'm getting in the weeds, so I'm going to stop myself. (laughs) it's going to be my job this entire podcast to uh, pull brad out of basketball uh, world yeah you know i i think it, let's let's take a minute and appreciate like the difference there in in how they came through and and how that manifests itself in terms of uh motivation even from the beginning so we look at jordan's story right and he frames it this way. Everyone else frames it this way. It's almost like the cut from the team rejection starts fueling, right? Yo, that chip fire. on the shoulder.
0: He is a chip on the shoulder athlete,
1: right? Exactly. Even at North Carolina, you know, isn't the star chip on the shoulder like gets them through, elevates them to the next level, Like right? Even early in his career, Jordan chip on his shoulder can't can't beat the Pistons, can't win, et cetera, et cetera, by himself chip on his shoulder I'm going to show you guys
0: and known known to you know to such an extreme known or I should say reported reportedly known to um to make up enemies like literally to pretend that other players said things about him buy into that story <laughs> you know believe the delusional lie so that he could be that much more angry towards his opponent so yes he is a chip on the shoulder driven player
1: yeah, which is just fascinating because if you break it down even further, it it just shows that there's, I don't know if we can call it fear, but there's there's and a, a very heavy external component to his his motivation um, that is partially that chip on your shoulder, partially I don't know this need to to win or something to that degree that is um, you know runs all the way through his career. And if we compare that to LeBron, I think it's a little different um, from a motivation standpoint and a little different from a development standpoint. Because as you said, like I think it was when he was 15 or 16 years old, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the next chosen one. <laughs> so, So you step back and you say, okay, Jordan at the same age is getting cut from his high school basketball team. LeBron is being designated like the next Michael Jordan, essentially the next great player to come through as a teenager. And that right there gives itself a different set of expectations, a different set of pressures um, that LeBron had to deal with from a very young age that Jordan largely didn't.
0: And I think dealt with them very well. I mean, we can get into to some of, you know, LeBron's, mishaps, but um for the amount of pressure and attention and to an extent things handed to him in at least in the basketball world on a silver platter, um he's not like an image of the super entitled athlete that thinks that he can do anything that he wants or that she wants. He's he's a team player that that competes and plays really hard and I think is is more driven from a love of the game than a chip on the shoulder. You know, I I haven't heard as much from LeBron of, you know, I, I am not respected, although he did mention that recently in a press conference after this finals win that he wants his respect. But, you know, generally LeBron is like, I love the game, I love the game, I love the game, whereas Jordan was, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win.
1: Yes, and we're, we're painting broad, broad brushes here, but... I I think that's again a theme that runs through both of their careers and sure ebbs and flows. I'm I'm sure of it. Um, but it is interesting. I think it's worth a minute to kind of settle in on this LeBron like prodigy and how he how he handled it. Because I think often we assume, like, oh, the best, like, of course, he's super talented, he's going to make it. But then you look and you think back and you think, like, how many of these next great ones, these phenoms, don't make it, right? That we declare. I mean, it's it's easy to remember the ones that do, the Tiger Woods, the LeBrons, etc. But we often forget about the 14, 15, 16-year-old you know, prodigies who are supposed to be the next Tiger Woods, whoever, that, that don't make it and can't handle it. And maybe not even don't make it but maybe they have success but outside of their life they have more turmoil right because it's it's a lot of expectations and pressure to deal with and lebron like for to his credit and his family's credit has largely been you know scandal free which is kind of amazing for someone who's been in the spotlight uh national spotlight international spotlight for that long 100
0: percent agree and your point on the chosen one is brilliant so um, it's like selection bias. And in science, selection bias means that um, when you are examining quote-unquote great performers, you only have in the pool of people that you're examining the quote-unquote chosen ones that made it. So just a quick example that I'm going um, to give to, to make this concrete. So I grew up in Detroit and I was a diehard Pistons fan. And No one else outside of Detroit remembers this because it was such a disappointment. But with the number two pick of the draft, I'm forgetting the year, I think it was around 2002. The Pistons drafted Darko Milicic. You remember that name, Steve? Of course. Darko was supposed to be the next chosen one. Like they were using words like that about Darko. Um, He was seven foot, seven foot one, European player. Um, in the mold of Nowitzki, but allegedly more athletic, yada, yada, yada. I think Darko, at his peak is a piston, averaged 2.4 points and 3.1 rebounds a game. So if Darko would have had a phenomenal career, we'd be talking about Darko, like, oh, you know, it's so hard, he's the chosen one, but there have been so many chosen ones that we just forget about because they don't make it. Um, so to your point, like that is even more special for LeBron that he didn't emerge like an MJ is this great player. He was named great and stuck to that greatness. I actually, I am hard pressed to think of another athlete sans, maybe Kobe Bryant, that at such a young age was going to be the next thing and is currently the next thing maybe naomi osaka in tennis but she's still so young in her career it's hard to say
1: yeah i mean i think the list is very very i mean you were a chosen one steve yes No, like seriously i don't
0: say that as a joke right like i mean i i don't know nearly as much about running as you but in high school you were like the prodigy i mean it's a different stage because it's a much smaller sport
1: um but it's really hard yeah, no, I mean, it, it is. And I think that's, you know, maybe my personal experience kind of gives me more, <laughs> even more appreciation to it. Cause it is, it is, it is different. But, you know, I think back to, gosh, um, I remember, so, well, n- not to make it about me, but it, when I was in high school, I remember the Houston Chronicle. So major, the, the newspaper in Houston, right? For, you know, the whatever third largest city in, in the, uh, country. Uh, had this list in it was like 2004 so one year after I graduated high school right after I ran really fast and it was Super Bowl weekend and they had this list of it was like I don't know the 25 greatest Houston athletes of all time and then they had this other list that they said like the next 25 the ones we're going to talk about in 25 years and like my name was on that list, along with, you know, other people who ended up who did and end up making it like a, a Lance Berkman who turned out to be a very good baseball player um, and a bunch of other athletes who went on to win Olympic medals and all that stuff. So in our small world of track, like not to the degree of LeBron, obviously, but like I I appreciate that. And it is extremely difficult because the expectations um start to change things. It's one thing when it's you out out there playing basketball as a kid. It's another thing as a 16, 17, 18 year old to start to realize the greater, you know, the bigger uh, world out there and be like, "Oh, like people expect me to do things. Like the pressure on me isn't just from myself. Like people are going to know if I fail or run poorly or like don't live up to expectations, etc." And that's that's a lot of weight, and I can only imagine the weight that uh, LeBron had. And I think, again, you know, you mentioned a couple athletes. The only other ones I'd add is, you know, Tiger Woods, and then a uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky who was before our time, but also similarly prodigy who went on to be the, you know, fulfill that. But the list is very small compared to the the amount or number of people who were anointed as as the next great ones. Um, for sure.
0: Yeah. So let's call it a wash, right? So I, I and it's, to be more clear, a wash between MJ and LeBron on the path to greatness, um, because both had really tough paths. MJ's path being multiple setbacks where he could have quit and having to overcome those and truly having to prove that he was great, not having things handed to him on a silver platter, Versus LeBron, who didn't have those setbacks, but had to bear the weight of being anointed the chosen one, not have challenges necessarily to grow from, at least not in his youth, and not turn out to be another Darko, but to actually live up to that expectation.
1: And, you so, know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, you know, listening to you here, I think this is a great point to get across to the listeners, which is, there are many paths to success. <laughs> like, we, we tend to, I think, in our, our society, like, anoint the ones who do who perform really well early. But not that I'm calling MJ a late bloomer, but compared to LeBron and some others, he, he was. And it might have just taken more work. Um, and what I mean by wor- more work is not in total, but more years of work to express that talent. And I think if we tied this... Over to other pursuits, whether it 's art uh, or creative pursuits or writing, you see the same thing, and that people think or people remember the uh, those who are almost like the natural prodigies who come out and as soon as they 're you know producing work they 're on it but then you have the delayed. Like the ones who take until they're in in creative works, 40, 50, 60, whatever, who eventually reach that point. It just took more time to get there. And sometimes that's due to luck, but a lot of times it's it's due to just like how we express our uh, talent and ability.
0: Agree. Early career. MJ versus LeBron. And we're going to test each other's uh, basketball knowledge here. So, early career, MJ is on the Bulls. He's got Scottie Pippen, um, Steve Kerr, and a really solid team around him. Early career, LeBron is on the Cavs, and he's more or less alone. So, very different scenarios.
1: Um And I think it's – so here – this is interesting because I think, you know, we'll dive into the basketball weeds a little bit. They both won their first championship at 27, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's so funny you go there. Keep going. I'm pulling up how long they were each in the league when they won.
1: Yeah, because I think it's it's interesting here because early career, they almost had the same sort of issues to a degree – is that they performed really well but couldn't quite get over the hump to win the big thing. And I think maybe for slightly different reasons. But it's interesting how their their paths to get to this point differed. But then early on, they both kind of had a reputation at the beginning as amazing players didn't quite have, you know, what was needed either around them or who knows why, uh, to get to get over that hump.
0: Yeah, so you're right on Jordan. Jordan won his first championship um, at 27, 28. I don't know the exact year because I don't know, um, let's see, he was born. Yeah, he would have been 27 and a half, and then – LeBron's first championship was in 2012, and he was born in 84. So help me with math,
1: 16. Yeah, 28. Um, man, so man.
0: they were the same age when they won their, their first championships.
1: Look at that uh, basketball knowledge coming in handy.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, and LeBron didn't do it with the Cavs. He did it with the Heat. So he was, he was in a situation where he had a team around him that was much more similar to Jordan's team. Uh, which is another fascinating point. Like, neither of these guys could do it alone.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, they all both had to win their first championships, and um, many of them after, they had to have essentially a Hall of Fame player with them.
0: Yeah. Now, Now, as we talk about peak, this is where maybe LeBron gets a little edge because LeBron won a championship where he was really the only guy. That championship on Cleveland, I mean, Kyrie Irving is a good athlete and a good basketball player, but he's not a Scottie Pippen or a Dwayne Wade or a Anthony Davis or even a Chris Bosh. Um, and LeBron was still able to win a championship. So to me, that year when LeBron won with the Cavs, was, and Kevin Love was on that team, solid athlete, but I don't think we're talking Kevin Love in the same class as like a Dennis Rodman supporting cast. So I I give LeBron the edge in terms of putting a team on his back and winning.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. So, uh you know, I think this comes And I hadn't thought of that until now, but okay, go on, sorry. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say I th- I think this comes down to where their skill set kind of lies. Um, which you talked about at the very beginning is we're comparing we're comparing to you know, very good basket are exceptional basketball players and we need to lump all basketball players together. But what it's really like translating to my everything is running approach, it's really like comparing um, the best 5,000 meter or athlete or racer in the world versus the best miler. Yes, they run the same distances occasionally and they're competitive with each other, but it's, it's, Comparing two different skill sets uh, a, a little bit. And I think, you know, LeBron's skill set probably allows him to take a larger role and elevate a team without um, as much of a supporting cast like he did with Cleveland that year.
0: Yeah. And another thing is you say that about these two. Is I think that LeBron going back to something I said earlier, where like where do people rank LeBron? In my mind now, just having this conversation, it's becoming clear that LeBron is the number two. And my reason for that, and that's assuming you're going to call Jordan one, is Le- I I don't think LeBron is made in anyone's image. So Kobe is like a mirror image of Jordan. Yep. LeBron is just LeBron. I think the closest player to LeBron would be Magic Johnson. But I think LeBron's better.
1: Yeah. Yep. I would
0: agree. And what I mean by that is so Jordan, Jordan is a fierce competitor, phenomenal score, makes his teammate better, passes when he has to. But he is a score. He is soft. He glides through the court. He is like a finesse player that can be hard when he needs to. LeBron is just a do-everything machine. He scores, he has assists, he rebounds, he plays defense. Um, he's a much more physical player. And he he's not following in Jordan's image at all. He's his own thing.
1: So, you know, part of this, and I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction, but part of this is interesting because I think the the style of play influences people's opinion. Jordan has a much more um, artistic artistic style, and I think that that influences like our perceptions of them, right? I agree.
0: LeBron is much more, you know, um, working out in your garage using garbage cans as the squat rack, grunge mold on the garage, but you get in and you do the work and you get stronger. And Jordan is like you're going to, you know, LA Sports Club on the glitzy new treadmill with the shiny weights and you win that way. I mean, sure, if you want to use that comparison. (laughs) I don't know. You get what I'm saying, though. One is much more of like a grind and it's not always pretty. And the other one was just like art.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, to counter your gym example, my example would be, One is the uh, Elliot Kipchoge smooth as silk doesn't look like he's working versus another runner who might run, you know, not quite as fast, but similar who just looks like they are in pain the entire time.
0: Or kind of like how Steve and I write (laughs) me writing smoothly, Steve (laughs) grimacing and gritting the whole way through.
1: Uh, you know, it just comes to our toughness. That's why I'm the endurance athlete and you're the guy in, in in the gym trying to look pretty. So, yeah. All right. Anyways, we digress per the usual. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's a good point that when we, when we think about who's better, like the aesthetic probably has, um, has something to do, to do with it. Um, all right. In terms of making their teams better. I'm going to go ahead and call that a wash.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Because I think that, you know, it's interesting that a lot of times the um, hate on LeBron is that he's moved teams and always had, you know, moved teams and then picked his teammates, essentially. But I think the Cleveland year um, kind of gives him the, the out there. Because as you look at that team, it was a good team, but not a... Hall of Fame included team, you know, whereas his Miami and even uh, <laughs> Lakers teams has, you know, Hall of Fame type players on it. So, uh, and Jordan, like, depending on the year of the championship, he always had Scottie Pippen, who often gets, you know, uh, negated or denigrated a little bit, but he's a Hall of Fame player, right? He was just overshadowed by Uh, By Jordan and then for part of those years you had people like Dennis Rodman who uh, might not have been the scorer but Hall of Fame player because he did one thing essentially defense and rebounding better than almost anybody else in the game at that time. And BJ Armstrong and
0: Steve Kerr I mean he had good he had good talent around him uh, on that team and something that's interesting to think about is yes it was towards the end of his career But when Jordan came back to a not-so-great Wizards team, he was not very effective. He was like an 18.5 assists per game guy.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because we're going to get, you know, LeBron hasn't quite hit that same age. I think Jordan was maybe 37, 38 when he came back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on that that latter side, which maybe we can... 30, yeah, 37, 38, too, with the same amount of
0: basketball years, right? Because LeBron's got the extra few years for not going to college, but Jordan's got his double hiatus.
1: Yep, yep. So, it, you know, and that's the thing. You know, the other interesting thing here is, and we'll see how this continues, but, you know, LeBron with the Lakers kind of changed his game this year. Um, I think... In, I'll check on this, but I think it was his highest years for uh, assists that he's had, average assists per game um, of any of his career. So you see, like a slight change in his game as he changes team and ages a little bit, which is kind of phenomenal to do. I'm really
0: excited about watching LeBron over the next few years as as those shifts perhaps continue. Um... Alongside Anthony Davis, who's a, a phenomenal young player, younger player that is now accompanying um, accompanying LeBron. So,
1: so let's let's talk about. All right, so we're gonna say uh, a wash on who makes their team better, right? Both both at, you know, one with different you know teammates, we'll call it uh, Jordan, obviously all with the Bulls, but you know, some were with Rodman's and others, some weren't. Um, <laughs> Let's let's move on to this this latter part of the career. And obviously LeBron isn't done yet, so it's a little tough. But I think this is brings us to that point we talked about earlier, which is makes it interesting in that Jordan had his mid-career, you know, baseball switch, but then at thirty-four, I think thirty-four, thirty-five, just walks away. And largely again if you watch the documentary read the biographies we'll call it burnout essentially i'm done can't get like motivation in there like i've done everything i need to i'm gonna walk away and i I think
0: this is in lebron's just like i want to play with my son who's like 13 or 14 now (laughs) right so it's it's like a different it's It's a different... But that comes back to love and anger, I think. I mean, we've written about this in Peak Performance, right? Like anger, fear, chip on your shoulder motivation tends to be really potent, but not very sustainable. Whereas love and process tends to be not necessarily as potent but much more sustainable as a source of drive
1: 100 percent, and that's where i was hoping you were going to go because i think that is i think maybe we should write about this but this is the prime example of it
0: it is a great example of it we should write about this um noted <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and in like that anger can really get you up and and crush, but it doesn't last very long whereas the the love is a much more sustainable longer term and route. and if
1: you if you um, remember back to the last dance like you you saw interviews you saw moments where they had footage of Jordan almost looking you know exhausted trying to will himself, and that's probably why he created like scenarios that were kind of false or that were false to try and get that motivation up because he was so reliant on this anger right and this chip that like he needed it to perform so he had to create and cultivate ways even if there weren't real towards the end especially uh to to get that and i think lebron you're seeing the opposite which is you know he seems to love the game and like pursue it. Yes, he's got extrinsic goals in terms of championships. And obviously that matters in legacy and all that, but it seems a much more sustainable path uh, as you just talked about. Something else. And it's,
0: it, it, it kind of is related to longevity and back half of career stuff is you'll often hear that people say, well, the game is so different now. It's not as physical, and they don't play defense um, in defense of Jordan or arguing for Jordan. And I struggle with that because I was in my basketball viewing prime when Jordan was great. Like, those were the times I remember I'd be at my grandma and grandpa's house in the basement watching the dream team and it was like you know the month between dream team basketball and nba basketball was a terrible month because i couldn't watch basketball all day and it did appear that there was more defense then there was less foul calling um and the game was a little bit more rough i don't watch as much basketball now but when i watch it the counter to that is the players are so much more athletic. So it's really hard for me to say like, oh, you know, it was harder back then versus now because there was no one in the game when Jordan played like a, like a Russell Westbrook. And now that's a fairly common build. And what I mean by a Russell Westbrook is a guard that could be a starting linebacker on a good college football team. <gasps> Yeah. Right. Like that level of athleticism, like size, strength, speed, that just didn't exist in Jordan's days. I mean, again, maybe the closest player to that was Magic, but Magic couldn't have played football.
1: Yeah, it's 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 it's, again, it's a different I think you have to acknowledge the different style and the different demands. But with each different demand, there's like a counter, you know, it's it's. It's exactly what you said there, and that the athletes are are just different and, and better, and that's kind of the evolution you see of of um of everything in terms of performance, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you didn't have the influx of European players back then that have their own style of play, which tends to be, you know, deceptively smooth. Bigger than they should be for their position. Um, Jordan didn't really have to deal with any of that. It was, it was a game where there was more defense played, but it was a, the game existed. I think with um, with more constraints, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. It does, and it's it's really the talent pool thing as well as like you mentioned Europe and. You know, obviously, you had China with Yao Ming and others, and it's the talent pool has ever increased as it does with um pretty much every sport that gains major notoriety is that you know the increased talent pool changes the game a little bit, and I'm not saying that to discount Jordan and what he faced, but it's just a slightly different game now. And even the analytics and all that has changed how the game is performed and played to a degree. And I think the key here is you, you can't like, you can't judge uh, LeBron for not facing the things that Jordan did. And you can't really judge Jordan for not facing the things that LeBron has to, in the sense that it's how they adapted to the game that they uh, that they faced at that time
0: mm-hmm all right so another thing to touch upon and as Steve said at the outset we're not going to have an answer for who's better that that's not our goal our goal is just a good conversation about looking at different ways to think about greatness and success um, so another another aspect of that to me would be like off-the-court, meshed with on-the-court scandal, lack of scandal, focus on the game, that sort of thing. Um, so here, I we were talking about this before we hit record. I am so impressed by LeBron James for his ability to really hold himself well as someone who from eighth grade was told that they were... The best thing since sliced bread. So you know, we'll preempt the LeBron haters. I'd say the one thing that was the worst was the the um, the quote unquote decision, which for those of you that aren't diehard basketball fans, when LeBron decided, hence the decision, to leave Cleveland for Miami, he held a big press conference. And it was the first time anyone had heard about it in the Cleveland Cavaliers organization was through this press conference. Um, Not the best taste. What people don't know is that press conference raised $3 million for charity. So even in his worst moment, it's like, all right, like Dan Gilbert, who seems like a good dude, super wealthy, like didn't get a heads up phone call, but LeBron raised $3 million for charity. Like, maybe it's not even the worst moment. And then more recently, um, when asked about the situation in China, LeBron made some political remarks that many people disagree with. Um, But there, again, like, I give him the benefit of the doubt. You know how many political remarks I've made that people disagree with? many more than LeBron. I'm just not as good at anything as LeBron is, so people don't care.
1: People don't care about you, Brad. That's what I'm taking away from this conversation. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think this is this one is in LeBron's favor in the sense that I think growing up as a 16-year-old anointed the chosen one, it's almost like we expect some transgressions because you grow up in a very especially if you grow up with a very different um, just everything because like you, your childhood, your teenage years is generally when you're figuring out who you are, your identity, all that stuff. I mean, just think of, you know, you and I going through this, anybody going through this who is listening, like your teenage years are just strange. You know, you are embarrassed by your parents. You want to look a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, LeBron has to go through that while also having like the eyes of the country, you know, looking at him, tracking his every moment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think just going through that and largely being scandal free and doing the great things that he has in terms of, you know, supporting schools and, you know, all, all the charity work is just phenomenal, and I I I don't think in this sense like Jordan has done some good things too. But I remember, you know, Jordan's sense of a stand was summed up in his his quote. Um, and I'm gonna get this wrong, but I think he said like R- Republicans buy shoes too. In you know when asked why he doesn't talk about um, you know issues that relate to. Uh, others in his uh, community race and all that stuff. So it's just a different way to do it. And I think I... I,
0: Yeah, I think I'm glad, real quick, I'm glad you say different, not better. Because I don't necessarily know if it's better. I think it's different.
1: Yeah, I mean, one is is taking on and saying, hey, uh, basketball is, one is almost acknowledging, like basketball is what I do. That doesn't make me you know, any more enlightened or intelligent or, or quote unquote, better at these other things. I'm a basketball player, which in some ways is kind of refreshing in humility, right? Um, which would be kind of towards Jordan's like, Hey, I'm a basketball player. I'm going to do this. And this is going to be my focus. And LeBron kind of, you know, for whatever reason, took the the bigger picture, which is like, hey, I have this platform, I'm going to use it to, you know, help others.
0: And I think that, you know, there it's a wash again to me, maybe because it's not like Jordan necessarily did anything terrible. Um, His gambling stuff. I mean, all that stuff is scandalous, but he, he didn't hurt anyone. You know, he, he has no allegations that are serious against him. Um, It's just that he chose to focus on basketball and, and only basketball. So if we're judging greatness and this gets back to how you define greatness, are we judging greatness as a cultural icon Or are we judging greatness in the sport? And if we're judging it as a cultural icon, then maybe looking back, it's going to be LeBron because he's expanded himself outside of the sport. Whereas if we're just looking at the sport, then it's going to be... Yeah,
1: I think that's a good distinction there. And I I think that LeBron is... That cultural icon idea is a good way to look at it. If we're looking at maybe just in the narrow realm of basketball... Then I think it's arguable that Jordan is still "quote unquote" number one. If we branch it out into the greater cultural um, icon, LeBron might take the case. Even though you know Jordan became a cultural phenomenon based on what he did in the basketball on the basketball court, but LeBron has has kind of branched out and taken that uh, that approach to. You know, not just translating what he does on the court to other things, but also his you know his power behind it
0: so here's a here's a curveball for the conversation, and then I think that we should wrap by talking about what does LeBron have to do in the next few years to to take the crown. but before we get that, the curveball is is this: so I don't know enough about basketball. To throw guys like Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain in the mix, because to me that's like comparing a great quarterback to a great offensive tackle. Those guys were seven footers. They played an entirely different game in an entirely different era, even from Jordan. And uh, it's just I can't I can't even begin to try to compare Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant have both won more championships than LeBron, yet they are not a part of the conversation when we talk about the more all around player of this era. And yes, Tim Duncan was a big man, but he was, he was more dynamic than a Wilt Chamberlain or a Bill Russell, or at least I think than a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So how come we're not talking about Kobe and Tim Duncan as well? It's
1: a good question. I mean, I, I think you answered it partly in the sense that Kobe style was Jordan. So in order for Kobe to be in this conversation, he almost had to usurp Jordan because it's, and largely people think Kobe is, you know, behind Jordan. So I think, I think that kind of answers that question there because they were so, so, so similar players, so similar styles um scoring machine there were scores right and in that comparison it is there and i think lebron in this sense like being different enough like puts him in 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 another another category another level tim duncan is an interesting one because i think i think they five championships You know, LeBron's got four, five championships. Yeah, and I think there, I think there it's kind of two things come to mind to me is that Duncan was, had a personality that was behind the scenes more quiet, right? Uh, Wasn't the kind of in your face superstar that that Jordan was. Um, So that, for some people, kind of just makes him this guy who was incredible. But almost gets kind of put in the back of your mind for better, um, for better not. And and uh, but the thing, if we're gonna make this argument, I think there you ask, well, was Duncan a better teammate than any of them? And and I, I, I don't know, I know, but like from based on what I've I've read, I would argue that maybe Duncan's skill was not only on the basketball court, but like being able to, um, behind the scenes, like, uh, elevate his team as what as well. And, um, versus kind of, and the only reason I say that is if you look at Jordan, if you look at, uh, Kobe, if you look at LeBron, often what gets reported is they're kind of difficult to play with sometimes because like, you know, LeBron likes things the way he likes them, you know? so
0: yeah but I, i i also wonder about that i mean it's a tricky one because lebron likes things the way he likes them but our good friend um henry abbott true hoop who knows a lot more about hoops than we do he's written pretty extensively about that and painted a picture where what that means is that lebron doesn't like when players go out and get drunk the night before games And if that's what it means to be a bad teammate, then that's more of a reflection on the NBA's culture than on LeBron. You know, like LeBron cares about winning, whereas other guys want to party and I'm painting in broad strokes, but I've never heard that LeBron is a bad teammate insofar that he's selfish or that he only cares about himself. Same thing with Jordan. Um, I, you know, I've heard, there's plenty of stories about Kobe being a bad teammate in those ways, but LeBron and Jordan, I think where they take slack, it's because they are more singularly focused on winning at basketball, whereas their teammates often want to have a good time and sometimes treat it as a job.
1: Yes, I would agree with all of that.
0: Yeah, so I I, I don't know. I just think that that's worth calling out. Whereas Duncan, I think you, know, you could argue the, the flip side, that maybe if Duncan would have been a little bit more... Um, a little bit tougher on his teammates, perhaps they would have won even more.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I buy that one. Yeah, because you had it's like you had Popovich, you know, taking that role, and Duncan took the other role, essentially.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but. But it is interesting, right? Like, we don't talk about... And, and some of it is also just Duncan's, like, understated demeanor. Like, everything about him is understated. He'd go for 34 points and 17 rebounds, and you, you wouldn't even know that he played in the game. Um, but but it is interesting that Duncan's not a part of this conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of guys who just, for whatever reason, are... don't elevate to that level um, in terms of the conversation. I don't know... Um, you know, for another podcast, if, if we get feedback on this one that people like
0: when we talk about basketball, we should do Duncan versus Kobe. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So anyways, back to LeBron and MJ. So what does LeBron have to do over the next five years for him to surpass MJ in in the mind of um, non-basketball expert Steve Magnus? <laughs>
1: You know, uh, I'll say this is I think LeBron, if he keeps playing for the next, you know, we'll say, what is he, 35 now? If he plays until he's 38, 39, somewhere in that range um, and wins another championship and and keeps his uh, his game up to a reasonably high, you know, nearly as high as he's doing now, I think he overtakes Jordan one because more championship you said i think i think one i think it it at least one more championship puts him essentially even if he sustains his performance for the next we'll say four years if he wins yeah. two i think he's over jordan but the reason i say that is because there you have you have jordan who with his years out had what i think 13 years playing something like that team 14 something like that and you know, two of those were with the Wizards at a at a lower level, right? And you're mm-hmm. telling me if if LeBron plays from the age of nineteen until thirty-nine, let's say, twenty years, when yeah, spy it's like
0: three and a half, four more
1: years. Yeah. Five championships and was like great, legitimately great during those entire twenty years, like that is that does it for me over thirteen with Six championships and and great for eleven of those years
0: I don't know about you Steve, but this conversation is getting me super excited and turning me into a diehard basketball fan <laughs> again like as you say that I like got like a literally a chill down my spine I'm like I can't wait to watch basketball for the next three years um because I was gonna say the same I was gonna say the same thing as you I um like the exact same thing I think I would have put it at two championships but that could just be like my very reason-driven part of the brain. It's like, well, Jordan won six, so LeBron should have six. Um, But I do think that purely from a legacy greatest ever, the next few years are going to be really telling for LeBron, especially because I feel like, and things can change in the game really dramatically now with personnel, but I feel like he's on the kind of team where if they keep winning with a similar team, it's going to be because of LeBron. So Anthony Davis is a star, no doubt. But Anthony Davis, his teams were terrible when it was just him, (laughs) right? The Pelicans, like they never came close to making the playoffs when it was just Anthony Davis. And now he's got a championship in one year with LeBron. So that is LeBron. But the other guys in the Lakers organization, and again, things can change. They can get free agents. They're not stars, but they become really good players because they play with LeBron, you know, Caruso going for like 11 points a game. I, and, and it's, you know, we're, we're our next big conversation that we're going to release is, is on race. So I say this in all, um, in all seriousness, but, you know, watching Caruso, I'm like, dude, like that could be me out there. He's like a semi-athletic white guy, <laughs> but he's playing with LeBron and he's become a really good player. Caldwell Pope jr. You know, why is he scoring so many points easily? I can tell you why, because LeBron collapses the defense and he sits in the corner and makes open threes. Uh, you know, Rondo, how come Rondo, Mr. Headcase hasn't been a head case again, like the one variable is LeBron. And I think that's really freaking special. And I think that it has the potential to be even more special as LeBron gets older, because as you pointed out, he'll be able to do less athletically so his greatness will depend more on his ability to get the most out of the guys around him and lead. Whew, that was like my speech. I'm stoked. You know, Bill Simmons, invite me on the ringer.
1: (laughs) There you go. Basketball experts Steve and Brad have determined the outcome here. But I think, you know, I don't, again, I don't know the stats well enough, but I do think that, like, that, changing of the game making your teammates better will be the kind of deciding factor here and that just you know right now he's what at 16 17 years something like that in the game i mean if you can sustain that for 19 20 years it's that's like that's i don't know the comparison there
0: yeah Seems like a good place to wrap, uh, my man. I, I want to say one more thing because I I can just picture certain elders in my family. So if you're a boomer and you're listening to this and you're like, ugh, these young guys, they don't know what they're talking about. LeBron's not even in my top five. Or how dare they compare LeBron with MJ? Um, we want to hear from you. Shoot us an email. Make your case. You know, we... We were young when Jordan was peaking. We were even younger beyond memory for Jordan's ascent from North Carolina. Um, so tell us all the ways that we're wrong. And um, when we revisit this topic, we'd love to include comments. So um, you know, go to www.thegrowtheq.com. You can contact us there. But if you are like cringing and having the thought that these guys are young, they just don't get it, Uh, we want to hear from you and maybe this will turn into Steve and I revisiting, you know, game tape from the the late eighties in, in becoming basketball people, or I guess for both of us, re-becoming basketball people.
1: Yep. Basketball. Here we come taking over the world. Um, Yeah.
0: And if you feel like you never want to hear us talk about basketball again, let us know that too, because we take your feedback seriously. Um, and uh, this was definitely a departure from our usual program, but um, it's fun for us to do a deep dive into a, a particular topic with a broad lens every once in a
1: while. And next week will be a very interesting conversation. So we'll be back to the, not even regular. We'll be back to a, a challenging topic with a deep dive and nuance around it.
0: Yep. So um, with that, we hope you enjoyed this podcast and um, we look forward to talking to y'all next week when we have a good friend of the growth EQ, Jojo McDuffie on to talk about race in America. Um, which, as Steve said, is, is as important of a topic as ever right now. So until then, be well, be healthy, rate, review, all that good stuff, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation Podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.